0: So this month we are studying the book of Romans on Sunday afternoons at 4 o'clock. And um, today we're starting chapter 4. And something there's something in chapter 4 that is, of course, it's fitting with the rest of the book and the theme of the book. Uh, but it But it specifically says something about Abraham that I think is important. Now, in order to get to chapter 4, you have to you really have to understand the first four chapters in general. And so what I want to do is just take a second and just overview chapters one through three. Chapter one, Paul says, I'm writing to you because it's a brand new church that has never had an apostle there. And they're, they're new Christians. They're, they're weak Christians. And so Paul writes this book on justification, the book of Romans. And it's One of the most difficult books in the New Testament, if not the most difficult book, you've heard me say that the book of Revelation is tough until you put yourself in the position of a first century Christian and then the book of Revelation becomes pretty clear. The book of Romans is tough because of the the weighty principles that are in the book. I mean, the, the, the concept of what happened to all the Gentiles. Were all the Gentiles lost? What about the Godhead? What, what's so special about the Godhead? How, how does this justification, this salvation thing work? The book of Romans is tough because it's just so much content, so much information. And so he starts off the book by talking about the Gentiles and saying the Gentiles were lost. They were supposed to be following the Old Testament, the law of Moses. They were supposed to be the stranger in the gate of the Old Testament, but they decided not to be. For one reason or another, they decided to leave. Maybe it was because um, their ancestor was sent away like Cain. Maybe it was because they they had some sort of animosity against the people of God like Ishmael. Maybe it was something else. But for whatever reason, one person left and decided to leave the people of God. And so now... Generations later, after the law of Moses has come into being and after it's in power, now the Gentiles, by nature, because long-standing practice, they've been doing it for for thousands of years now, and they just do their own thing. They come up with their own religions, they come up with their own gods, and they they just do their own thing. And so chapter 1, he says, the Gentile is not saved in what they're doing. But we understand that, right? As Christians, we understand that the world is lost. But the world doesn't know that. And that's why we have the responsibility to go and to teach them. The world doesn't know any better. Because it's been so long that they've been on their own, doing their own thing. They didn't know any better. And so it's almost reasonable that the, the Jew would say, well, yeah, of course the Gentiles are lost. You get them, Paul. Tell all the horrible things they did. They, they changed the creature into the creator, they worshipped the creature and the creation instead of the creator. They they changed the laws of God and started living li- lives that were anti God. They started living principles and and laws, physical social laws. They started eating things that they weren't supposed to be eating. So Paul, you just you light them up because they need to hear this. In chapter two, he says, "But you're without excuse, Jew, because." Uh, you had the law sitting right in front of you. They've been outside of the law for thousands of years now. Yes, they had a responsibility to find it, but they didn't. They've been gone for so long that it's almost there's there's a degree to which it's understandable that they didn't find it. They didn't know to look. You had it right in front of you and you didn't look. And so you're getting onto them, and yet you're doing the same thing. You're getting onto the people who murder, but do you murder? You're getting onto the people who don't worship correctly, but do you worship correctly? And so chapter 3, he says, okay, here's the conclusion. Everyone is lost. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were created to be glory of God. We were created to show the glory of God. And now we all fall short of what we were created to be because either we didn't because we didn't know we were supposed to be looking or we didn't because we had it right in front of us and we're not doing anything about it. And so chapter 4, he says, here's here's how you're saved. You have to have faith. Romans chapter 1 verses one or chapter, uh, one, chapter 16 and 17. You have to have faith. Faith is the thing that saves mankind, whether you're in the patriarchal system or the Jewish system or now the Christian system. It's all been faith. Maybe that faith has been exercised in different ways. Maybe that faith has been uh, shown in physical ways, like in the Old Testament through sacrifices and so forth. But, but you have to be saved by faith. And the Jews had a problem. Their faith was not in God. Their faith was in the Old Testament. They, they held that Old Testament law as if it were God itself. That's, there's something in that for all of us as well. Sometimes people will hold the traditions that they've grown up with so much that they become God instead of God Himself. And when the traditions show to be something different from what God originally intended... They go with the traditions rather than than the God who gave them. And so chapter 4, he says, here's what you have to do. You have to have faith. And it's not through the law, Jews. You don't get salvation through the law. You get salvation through faith. So he starts talking about Abraham. And in chapter 4, look down at verse uh, number 16. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only. to the the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God in whom he believed, he who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave God the glory. Now, in this passage he says something. Abraham hoped against hope. In hope he believed against hope. What in the world does that mean? It means even though it didn't make sense, he still had hope. What what does hope mean? We have a hope. We'll talk about that in just a second. What what does hope mean? Some people will say that, that hope is just this fleeting idea. I hope I get blank for Christmas next year. I hope I get a new job. I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to hope. It's, it's almost the same thing as when we pray and we pray to God Lord, please help me with my job search. Please help me with something else, some other physical need that we we have. And we just leave it to God. Y'all ever heard people say that? I'm just going to leave it to God. That's a good thing to leave it to God. The problem is when we leave it to God and we don't do anything about it. God has never called mankind to just hope without action. In hope, he believed against hope. Even though it didn't make sense because he's 100 years old. His wife is very old and barren and has never had children. He hoped against hope because it, even though it didn't make sense, he still understood that the God who gave him the promise is the one who fulfills everything. In fact, this, this promise is, um, is repeated at least four times after it's given. So it's given in Genesis chapter two, 12 and verse 2. It says this, Uh, This is the New American Standard. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And so shall you be a blessing. And yet it's repeated in chapter 13, chapter 15, chapter 17, chapter 21. Throughout the rest of Abraham's life, he keeps getting reminded of this promise that God made him. Why does God have to remind him of a promise if God is so trustworthy he is, Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. If he's so trustworthy, why does God keep having to remind Abraham? Well, it's not for God's benefit. If, have y'all ever... Well, there's, a, there's an old saying that when your husband tells you he'll do something, there's no need to nag him for six months. It's going to happen eventually. Y'all ever heard that? Have y'all ever... Ladies, have you ever experienced that? Uh, for example, this week is the one-year anniversary Of J.D.'s crib being finished. Six months after he was born. You see. He's not reminding. I didn't keep telling Rebecca. Yeah I'm going to build J.D. a crib. I didn't keep telling y'all. I was going to build a crib. To remind me. It was to remind you. To have faith in me. (laughs) That's what God is doing. He's reminding them. Because he wants Abraham to not forget. We are so easily forgetful. That We have to be reminded of things. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you. Romans chapter 15 and verse 15. But on some points I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder. John chapter 14, verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. These these men walked with Jesus for 3 years. Why did they have to be reminded of stuff? Because we forget very easily. Either we forget because we rationalize things. You know, a lot of people weren't at services this morning at Warm Springs Road and every other congregation because not because they hate God. I'm convinced there are people that leave the church because they hate God. But the reason why they weren't at services this morning is because, just like the Gentiles, it's been so long since they went, they forgot about it. They didn't. You know, a lot of times we will put bad motives on people. And true, there are people with bad motives. But a lot of times it's just because they don't remember. They, they, it's been so long since they went, they just forget. And they genuinely forget. Because as, as men, we, we, we forget very easily. And so God keeps reminding them. Job chapter 1 and verse 5. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. I want to remind you, even though at once you, you fully knew it, how many people... Just go about the business of faith just because they're always doing it. Because it's just a habit now or because they're scared that someone's going to see them badly. And they need to be reminded of what they once fully knew. You see, Abraham believed, he hoped, in hope he believed against hope. When he did that, he it means that no matter what, even though it doesn't make sense to me, even though I'm prone to forget it because I, I am a man and I just, I doubt things on a regular basis, he continued to believe in the glory and the hope of God. So, let's talk about the New Testament rest. Turn to First Thessalonians chapter 7. Sorry, Second Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'll get there in just a second. I'll meet you there. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. But let's talk about this rest that that mankind has been given in, in, in Christ. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest to your souls. Chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. The Christian promise Abraham received a promise of 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 having children, but more importantly than that, being the father of a nation. And we have been given this rest promise that, that one day we're going to have rest. In fact, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance. On those who do not know God. And those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. Away from the presence of the Lord. And from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day. To be glorified in his saints. And to be marveled. And among all who have believed. Because our testimony. To you. Was believed. We've been given this hope. We've been given this promise of rest. And a lot of times we'll look at Second Thessalonians 1 and we either want to show two things. Number one, it's that He's going to take vengeance on those who know not God and obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Y'all ever heard sermons on that? I've preached tons of sermons on that. And I promise you, in the future, I will preach more sermons on it. That you have to obey the gospel of Christ in order to escape the vengeance. We'll talk about the vengeance. We'll talk about the horrible things that are happening. And we fail to remember the rest that God has promised in that passage. That Jesus Christ will be revealed. I heard one preacher say yesterday, I was I was on my way down to Valdosta, and I was listening to sermons uh, from the book of Romans, just recapping, and I was listening to, to lessons from the book of Romans from Keith Mosier, the man who taught me the book of Romans, and so I was kind of, it was kind of like going back home and listening to to, you know, my father, as it were, teaching me so that I could teach the book of Romans this afternoon, and and he said something that, that, struck, that stuck with me. He said, you know, the judgment day isn't really a judgment day for Christians. It's a day of hope. It's a day of happiness. We always talk about the judgment day being so terrible, so scary, so sad. Hebrews 10.31, it's fearful to fall into the hand of a living God. But for us, it's, it's something that's good. It's a good day. We, we're going to be given rest that day. And we need to remember that because it doesn't make a lot of sense. The the, the psalmist would say, what is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him? What is so special about mankind? You should wipe us off the planet. Anyone who sees, honestly, truly sees the world and how sinful it is and is not egotistical, that's not prideful, would easily say... It would be a lot better if God would just start over. Uh, myself included. I mean, he, he already did it once. And I know he promised that he would never do it again, but maybe this is one promise, God, that you don't need to keep. Maybe it's time you just start over. But the psalmist would say, what, what's so special about us? Well, there's really nothing special about us except that God created us for a purpose to worship him he gave us the choice to worship him so that he so that we would have the ability to do so and it's important that we remember that that the rest that was given to us isn't something that makes sense the thing that would make sense would be to just start over to just give up because listen if you've watched the news in this city, you know that there there are horrible things that happen to good people all the time. Our prayer list today. Horrible things happen to good people all the time. And sometimes it's because of bad people. Sometimes it's because of mistakes. Sometimes it's because of just just the world that we live in. It'd be a lot better if we just started over, God. Well, the fact is, He's not going to because He made a promise. Number one, to never destroy the earth again until the judgment day when He would burn it up and everything would disappear and he would, he would take us to, to torment or to paradise to, to the eternal paradise not the Hadean realm paradise but it doesn't make a lot of sense until you realize who God is Abraham it didn't make any sense to Abraham when, when God said I'm going to make you a father of many nations Genesis 2.12.2 2, it didn't make any sense to him God, I'm 100 years old. God, my wife is very old and is barren. If we have a child, what's to come of him? What, what happens when, when our 14-year-old, 15-year-old now has to live without his parents? God, we're 100 years old. What's supposed to happen, happen to him? This doesn't make any sense until... Romans chapter 4, verse number 20. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave, God, gave glory to God. We've been made children of the promise. Romans chapter, 8, Romans chapter 9, verses 8 and 9. We have this promise through Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. And because of that... Because we have this promise that doesn't make any sense, but once we realize who God is, it makes perfect sense. Because of that, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 1, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. That promise of rest is not just for heaven. Matthew eleven twenty eight: 28, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest it's not talking about heaven it's talking about the life right now abraham even though isaac wasn't born yet even though it would be years before isaac was born he gave god the glory he was living in the promise right then he hadn't fin- he hadn't seen it finished he not he hadn't seen it manifested yet as it were but he was living in the promise because he knew God is over me. God is watching out for me. Does that mean he never faltered? Uh, You need to read the rest of the book of Genesis. Yes, he faltered. There's a reason why Ishmael was born. There's a reason why he has these, these, these problems in his life. That now we have an entire race of people who have their own religion, who trace it all the way back to Ishmael. One claim of Islam that I think they might have gotten right. But you see, even though he faltered, even though he stumbled at times, he realized who God was and he was living in the promise. And Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1 says that we live in the promise now according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Alright, I want to leave you with two more verses. Ready? Psalm chapter 37 verse 25. I have been young and am now old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. We have this promise and now we have to do what the psalmist said, that, that he, he's never seen the righteous forsaken. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, you, you seek after the righteousness of God and everything will be taken care of you. You will have the rest right now. Does that mean you're not going to have to go to work? No. Does that mean, oh, well, you know, I, I have decided that I'm going to spend my life in prayer and fasting, what Wes talked about this morning. But I'm going to spend my entire, it's not just going to be you know, every now and then when, when I'm focusing on God as fasting should be, I'm going to spend my life in prayer and fasting. I'm never going to go to work again. I'm never going to take care of my family again because God is going to take care of me. No, that's not how it works. Right? I've never seen the righteous forsaken, but you've got to seek after His righteousness. Does that mean we don't have to do anything else? No. It means that we have responsibilities both in the world and to God. But we have the rest. So how do we have a rest that God has given us, and yet we still have to work, we still have to feed for our families, we still have to provide, we still have to do all this other stuff? It's not talking about a physical rest. Sometimes it's reading time at our house at nighttime, When you get ready to go to bed, you know, you sit down and you read your book, and you get calm, and you get ready for bed, and he'll walk in the living room and say, can I take a break? What that means is, can I go play with my Legos? not that kind of rest. It's not a physical rest. It's not a rest where your brain gets tired of reading. It's a rest of a a calmness that you know that everything's going to be okay. And that's what, that's what Abraham was doing too. The old joke goes, uh, Isaac wasn't born by faith only. I think those of us who are of the age of accountability can understand what that means. Um. There was actions that needed to take place and and Abraham understood that and we should understand that too. That The rest is not, the promise that we've been given is not just something that that we're given and that we never have to do anything about. We, We understand that that's not true. But it's important to remember that it only makes sense when God makes sense to us. It only makes sense when we understand and we see the glory of God and we're willing to glorify God in what we do because that's the only time where the promise of rest is ever going to make sense to us just like it's the only time that the promise of a child would ever make sense to Abraham because if we're honest it's it's getting to the point where just about everybody would say yeah I think we need to just start over maybe that comes from God maybe it comes from making someone in the, the near east upset to the point that he pushes his button no I'm just playing messing around. but it's true that, that we think you know if you look out you see that maybe it's time we just start over maybe God just needs to just needs to start over But that's not what God intended God intended to fulfill his promise to Abraham and he's, he intends to fulfill it to us as well so if you need to res- respond and become a Christian and have that rest that we've talked about uh, we're going to stand and sing a psalm of encouragement for you uh, I was I would say this just like Abraham stumbled at times don't think that you're never going to stumble but Abraham is not only an illustration of Romans 4 he's an illustration of what real faith means because he's he's the person that that kept looking to God and saying I don't understand and sometimes I fall but looking to you for the answers. So if you need to repent of sins or maybe you need to become a Christian this afternoon, we're going to stand and sing a psalm of encouragement for you and let us know while we do that.